must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic process. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. I have a dream. Welcome to Great Men Back Then. Here's your host, Lauren Scott. You are listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. And welcome to Great Men Back Then, where we talk about, you guessed it, great men. Specifically, great men from American history. Now, I know what you may be thinking right now. How can it be possible that a college student can possibly judge the character of some of the men in our history and call them great? Especially when many of them had tremendous faults and made loads of mistakes. I mean, for crying out loud, more than half of the founding fathers owned slaves. My response to that would be this. Yes, many of our men in history were flawed and made decisions that were most definitely not commendable. But I am here to give you the facts. If we take a closer look into the lives of these men, we can better understand just where they are coming from. A lot of people we will focus on have lived through more tragedy and more grief than most people in the 21st century will ever know or understand. Wars, adultery, child loss, and illness all play into the effect of how a person lives their life and makes decisions. For greatness is not about the number of mistakes one makes, but the number of time one overcomes those mistakes and perseveres through hardships. Today I am here with Abigail Snyder, a sophomore studying English and biology. Abigail, how are you doing today? I am great. I am so excited to be on the show, so thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. How are you feeling? Are you feeling brushed up on all your facts about Frederick Douglass? Well, you know, I was really hoping to brush up on the facts, and then I had a midterm this morning, and that kind of just got pushed to the side. So uh, we'll see how this goes. All right. Well, let's jump into it. Abigail, my first question for you. Who taught Douglas how to read and write? Hmm, I'm going to go with, let's see, it has to be someone close to him in age, Abraham Lincoln. Ah, uh, that's a really good guess, yeah. but it actually was not Abraham Lincoln. So the person who introduced Douglas to the alphabet was one of his slaveholders named Sophia Ald, and uh, she taught Douglas how to read and write until her husband found out, and he got very upset about it. So then she stopped teaching Douglas lessons, but then Douglas still wanted to read and write um, and learn how to practice that further. So he would find all these little neighborhood kids and he would trade bread with them in order for them to teach him uh, how to read and write. All right, my next question for you. Frederick Douglass changed his name to avoid him being recaptured. What was his name before that? Hmm. Let's see, so if he was captured, oh, it has to be something sneaky. How about the spy man? No, it was actually it was actually not the spy man. So um, so his name before it was Frederick Douglass was Frederick Augustus Washington Bailey. Oh, so it was it still had Frederick in it. Yeah, it did still have Frederick. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Okay. So now we're going to move on to the true or false. So you have a 50-50 chance of getting this right. Okay. Because those were really hard. They were really hard. I'm sorry. (laughs) All right. So true or false. Douglas was an advocate for women's rights. Oh, I mean, he was an advocate for slaves' rights. So I think it would make sense. True. That is correct. He was an advocate for women's rights. All right. My next question. True or false. Douglas met Abraham Lincoln. 
I feel like somewhere in some history class, someone told me that was true. So I'll say true. That is correct. He did meet Abraham Lincoln. So you, you have a little bit of redemption here, Abigail. Abraham Lincoln didn't teach him how to read and write, but he did meet him. Look at that. That is awesome. <laughs> Look at okay. that. All right. True or false? He was the most photographed man of the 19th century. Oh my goodness. This also sounds like something that I would have heard in history class, but it also doesn't. Um, let's say true. That is correct. He was actually awesome. the most photographed man of the 19th century. All right, Abigail, I have a few more questions for you. This is a, another true or false. Mm. Douglas was never nominated for political office. Oh, I feel like he had to have been, right? So I'm going to say that would have to be false. That is correct. He actually was nominated for many political offices, including vice presidency. Wow. All right. Yeah. My next question. This is another true or false. This is our last true or false one. Douglas refused to celebrate Independence Day until all slaves were freed. Hmm. I'm going to have to say that based on some reading I've done in Constitution class recently, that would have to be false. That one actually is true. Really? Okay. Well, yes. I'm going to need to reread my, my Constitution readings. I think you will. I think mm -hmm. Dr. Postel would be very proud of yeah, you if you yeah. did that. Mm -hmm. All right, Abigail, here is my last question for you. When did Douglas marry his second wife? Oh, let's see. Actually, I just saw this on Wikipedia. I said that I did a Wikipedia crash course oh my right goodness, before Abigail. I came into the studio. Oh. So let's see if it holds up to this. 1886. Oh my goodness, you're so close. 1883. Closer. That's when his Closer. other wife died. 1889. His wife, so his wife died in eight, his, you're close, you're close. But let me just clarify this for our listeners. His first wife died in 1882, which means that he married his second wife in 1884. Oh, see, I was going for all the odd numbers. You were going for all the one. odd numbers. Mm -hmm. It's okay, Abigail. So okay. Um, Frederick Douglass's first wife, who died in 1882, died from a series of strokes. And then two years later, he married another woman who was actually a white woman. And although her family were very strong abolitionists, there was still a lot of controversy. And her family actually ended up disowning her because interracial marriage was a very hot topic uh, back in this time, even if you believe that slaves should be free. All right. Well, Abigail, those are all the questions I have for you today. Thank you so much for joining us. You did a good job. Um, I'm very proud of you. Thank you, Lauren. And now I know that Frederick Douglass's name was not, in fact, the spy man. So thanks. Of course. All right. Without further ado, let's jump into the rest of the life of Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass was born into slavery. We are not entirely sure what day or year exactly he was born, but many historians believe that there is evidence to prove that it was in the year of 1818. It's actually very normal for slaves to never know their birthday or even how old they are. This was most definitely done intentionally by the slave masters, for they did not want their slaves to feel like they were normal people. By taking away the celebration of the slave's birthday, it added another factor to dehumanize them by making them feel unequal in comparison to their masters. Since Douglas's birthday is unknown, he had the opportunity to choose which day he wanted to be born. He chose the day of February 14th. This day had a special meaning to Douglas. Despite the fact that he was raised in a horrible um, circumstances surrounding slavery, he was still able to know his mother and form a strong relationship with her. She would always call him my little Valentine, 
which gave him a reason to believe that his birthday had something to do with Valentine's Day. This day was also a sweet reminder to him of the nickname given to him by his beloved mother. Now, as I was saying earlier, Douglas was born into slavery. His mother's name was Harriet Bailey, and she was also a slave. However, his father was a white man, but we are not entirely sure who he is. Rumors suggest that his father was Aaron Anthony, his first slave master, but again, we aren't really certain about this. But what we do know is that his mother was a slave and his father was a free man. From day one, Douglas was subjected to the horrors of slavery. He was separated from his mother as an infant and was sent to his grandmother, Betsy Bailey, to be taken care of. Having a young child separated from their mother is one of the most horrible things that could ever happen. But unfortunately, this was a very common thing to do in the days of slavery. Older slave women were believed to be more fit to take care of young children since it was harder for them to work in the fields and young mothers would have to return to work and some never saw their children again. Douglas was separated from his mother as an infant, but he was still able to see her multiple times during his life before she passed away. Since they worked at different plantations, his mother would have to go and travel to see him. She was able to make about four or five different trips to go and see him at his plantation during the first seven years of his life. This was not an easy trip for her to make by any means. His mother would have to walk 12 miles there and 12 miles back and she could only visit him after a full day of work. This means she was traveling all throughout the night in exchange for a couple of hours to visit with her son. These visits brought much joy and a familial relationship into Douglas's life, but this sadly ended in 1825 when his mother passed away. Douglas lived with his grandma until 1827 when a horrific and traumatic thing happened. He was separated from his grandmother. Douglas wrote in his narrative that this is the first time he felt true abandonment. He was then brought to the Y House plantation where he would herd cattle and run errands when needed. Although he was not treated horribly at this plantation, this was the first time he saw the true evils of slavery, especially by Captain Anthony. One of Douglas's first memories of the horrors of slavery has to do with Captain Anthony and his Aunt Hester. He would violently whip her right in front of Douglas. Not only would he whip his slaves often, but he actually took pleasure in doing so and would look for reasons to do it. This man introduced Douglas to a little preview of what his life as a slave would look like. And as a reminder, you are listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM, and this is Great Men Back Then with your host, Lauren Scott. Douglas only lived at the Y House Plantation for a year before he moved to the Great House. His new master's names were Hugh and Sophia Ald, and his life was not so bad while he was living with them. He had the opportunity to sail on a ship to Boston, which was one of the most exciting things he got to do during his life. He was also a companion to their young toddler, and he very much enjoyed watching after him. On top of all of this, Sophia Ald was the first person to introduce him to reading and writing. Douglas was always curious to learn, 
and once Sophia found out, she started to teach him in a heartbeat. It did not take long that Douglas could finally read three and four letter words. Sophia became very proud of him. However, these lessons were soon put to an end. Once Sophia's husband found out about these lessons, he became enraged and told his wife that she could no longer teach him. He explained to his wife how it was not good for slaves to be educated because then they will believe themselves to be equal to the white man and they will then want to be freed. Despite the fact that Douglas no longer received lessons from Sophia, his thirst for knowledge only increased. He knew that knowledge would pave the way to his freedom and he was determined to achieve it. Since Douglas could no longer receive lessons from Sophia, he had to find a new way. What he did next was clever and is further proof that his thirst for knowledge would only be quenched if he found it. He would go around the neighborhood and find other children who knew how to read and write. In exchange for bread, he had the children teach him. This further proved his determination to become educated so one day he would have the means to gain his freedom. Douglas lived with the Auld family for about seven years until his master, Captain Anthony, unexpectedly died, leaving no will. All of his property, including his slaves, was then divided up between his two children. This led to Douglas being under the rule of Lucretia Auld. While Douglas was at the Auld plantation, he would teach his fellow friends how to read specifically from the Bible. The knowledge he received from Sophia and the neighbor kids was enough for him to teach himself and be able to teach other people. However, when word started to get out that he was teaching slaves how to read and write, his owners were furious. They sent him to Edward Covey, a farmer who was known for his brutal treatment of the enslaved people in his charge. Douglas was the age of 16 when this happened. Under the authority of Covey, Douglas experienced countless whippings. Covey was trying to get Douglas to accept the practice of slavery as a normal thing, but Douglas knew his worth and refused to give in. After a year of severe beatings, Douglas decided to fight back and knocked Covey off his feet and onto the ground. After this encounter, Covey never laid hands on Douglas ever again. Douglas described this encounter as a turning point in his life. He said, quote, it it rekindled the few expiring embers of freedom and revived within me my own sense of manhood. It recalled the departed self-confidence and inspired me again with a determination to be free. End quote. Not too long after this happened, Douglas went to live with a kind master named William Freeland. He was then able to become a Sunday school teacher where he would teach other slaves. Although he thoroughly enjoyed this position, his thirst for freedom was still not quenched. Dissatisfied with the life of enslavement, even with privileges such as leading a Sunday school class, Douglas decides to try and escape. He decides he will try and escape by canoeing over the Chesapeake Bay. However, it did not take long for Douglas to get caught and his plan to escape was put to an end. He was then returned to his former master, Hugh Auld, in Baltimore. He began working at a shipyard and became proficient at ship chalking. He first then had to give all of his wages to Alt, but they eventually worked out an agreement where Douglas could keep a little bit of his wages. He saved up enough money to eventually make a second attempt at escaping, and this time he would head to New York. Butterflies began to swarm the stomach of Douglas. 
He was about to make his second attempt to escape slavery, and if he was caught, he knew that it would end badly. He said, quote, I felt assured that if I failed in this attempt, my case would be a hopeless one. It would seal my fate as a slave forever, end quote. Douglas disguised himself as a free sailor. This was not hard for him to do since he learned all the ways of the sailors when he was working at the shipyard. In his pocket, he had a sailor's protection pass, which he could present in lieu of free papers. He borrowed this pass from a free African-American seaman. However, he bore little resemblance to the description that was on the pass. This would cause much anxiety to Douglas while making his journey to New York. If a railroad official or conductor were to look too closely at this pass, it would be very noticeable that the description was not describing Douglas. To avoid close examination of the pass while getting on the train, he waited until the train started moving to hop on. When it came to his turn to show the conductor his sailor pass, his heart started to pound. Although he remained steady and calm on the outside, he had never been so worried or anxious in his entire life. He said, quote, My whole future depended upon the decision of this conductor. End quote. Thankfully, the conductor only glanced at the piece of paper handed to him before returning to the back of the railroad cart. Douglas said, quote, Had the conductor looked closely at the paper, he could not have failed to discover that it called for a di very different looking person from myself. End quote. And just a reminder, you are listening to Great Men Back Then with your host, Lauren Scott, on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Douglas was able to finally breathe a sigh of relief once the conductor walked away, but anxiety and fear still lingered. Throughout his journey, he encountered several people who he recognized. The first incident happened whenever he encountered an old acquaintance on a ferry. The acquaintance started asking Douglas questions about his journey before he had time to break away from the conversation. Another instance where he came close to being discovered is when he saw a ship captain who he used to work with through a train window. Thankfully, the captain did not see Douglas. The last encounter he had with someone that almost blew his cover is when he locked eyes with a German blacksmith that he knew. The blacksmith stared at Douglas but did not report him to the railroad officials. He said, quote, I really believe he knew me but had not the heart to betray me, end quote. Despite the multiple close calls, Douglas arrived safely in New York in less than 24 hours after he left Baltimore. Although he was technically on free soil, he still was not a free man and had to keep an eye out for slave catchers who would search for runaways. He was protected and guarded by anti-slave activist David Ruggles until his intended wife, a free black housekeeper named Anna Murray, arrived from Baltimore. The couple was soon married and then traveled to a safer area for runaway slaves in New Bedford, Massachusetts. He then became an abolitionist crusader and changed his last name from Bailey to Douglas in order to establish a low profile. However, he insisted on keeping the first name of Frederick because he did not want to lose his entire identity. Eventually, his supporters were able to raise enough money for him to purchase his liberty so he could finally become a free man in the eyes of the law in 1838. The Douglases remained a happy couple and had five children together. Once Douglas was a free man, he did everything in his power to educate people about the evils of slavery in hopes of preserving the democracy of America and serving justice to all men. He exposed the 
hypocrisy of a nation that was founded on the principle that all men are created equal, yet in the South there are families being forced into separation, women being whipped out of enjoyment of the slave master, and the belief that a person can be defined as property. In his famous 1852 4th of July speech, he said, quote, what to the American slave is the 4th of July? I answer, a day that reveals to him more than all the other days of the year, the gross injustice and cruelty to which he is the constant victim. To him, your celebration is a sham. Your national greatness, swelling vanity, your sounds of rejoicing are empty and heartless. Your shouts of freedom and equality hollow mock. Your prayers and hymns, your sermons and thanksgivings are to him more bombast, fraud, deception, and piety and hypocrisy, a thin veil to cover up crimes which would disgrace a nation of savages. There is not a man beneath the canopy of heaven who does not know that slavery is wrong for him. Oh, had I the ability, and could I reach the nation's ear, I would today pour out a fiery stream of biting ridicule, blasting reproach, withering sarcasm, and stern rebuke. For it is not light that is needed, but fire. It is not the gentle shower, but thunder. The conscience of the nation must be roused. The hypocrisy of the nation must be exposed, and its crimes against God and man must be denounced." End quote. Douglas was a man who was beaten by white American men. He was spit on and disrespected. He was separated from his mother as an infant. He watched his aunt as she was whipped by her slave master as a young child. He was traumatized as he watched his master kill slaves right in front of his eyes. Even after all of this, he fought for the American ideals and the preservation of democracy. He escaped and dedicated the rest of his life to the abolition of slavery. He believed that all men were created equal and deserved a chance. For this reason, I argue he was great. He was great because he could have lived a selfish life after his escape. He was great for winning the best for America after the nation allowed him to be enslaved. He was great because he advocated for God-given natural rights that everyone deserves, no matter skin color, sex, or social status. He believed in equality for all, and because of that, I argue he was great. Thank you for listening to Great Men Back Then, where we talk about great men who shaped our nation into what it is today. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode about Frederick Douglass and even learned something new. Come back next week when we talk about another great man in history on Great Men Back Then with your host, Lauren Scott, on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM.